0: All the way from beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, by way of Sacramento, California, this is Kings in the North Podcast. And now, the starting two for your listening pleasure. Standing, standing six, six feet six four inches, four inches tall, tall out of Jesuit, Jesuit High, School, High School, School, the half Greek freak, Nick, Nick economy. economy. And standing and six, six feet tall out of McClatchy, McClatchy High, School, High School, Big, Big Baller ben. ben. Kings in the North Podcast is sponsored by Cash Considerations. For donations, head up our Patreon.
1: And we're back, coming to you live from our living room. It is, as always, Big Baller Ben and the Half Greek Freak. After an absent, la- an absence last week for the holiday, known as Remembrance Day here in Canada, uh, I have returned, and it's been a good week of Kings basketball. I mean, relatively good. A a, a win to break a long term. Lost streak to the Spurs. Um, yeah, I mean, the, do you want to start with the Spurs?
0: Yeah, um, like you said, a wonderful win. Uh, we took a one-point lead into the fourth quarter, our quarter, and we expanded on that one-point lead. So, I know you had a stat about the old Kings in the fourth.
1: Yeah, I've, I, I was reading the other day, the Kings, when going into the fourth quarter with a lead has n- have not lost a game. So it shows that I mean our guys are able to close them out as I mean as well as any other team. But it also shows that we need to the a point of improvement to win games is starting strong in the third quarter. Well, yeah, and I mean you can you can see the games that we win are pretty close, I mean within 5 to 10 points. Mm-hmm. And the games that we lose are all blowouts, which has led to this negative net rating that we have. So it's um, it's an interesting little stat to keep track of. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the Spurs game was a good win.
0: We had six players in double figures, led by the Serbian sniper Bogdan Bogdanovic, with 22 points in 25 minutes off the bench. Um, interesting night for Harry Giles. He was back from his three-hour stint in Stockton, California, the All-American City, playing for the Kings G League affiliate. Um, He played only one game in Stockton, uh, dropped 30, and the Kings were like, okay, here's your shot back in the big leagues. They only gave him uh, 12 minutes. Very productive, though. 12 points, 6 boards. Um, He was on the finishing end of a little regal menage a trois. Um, A little Kings uh, love triangle of sorts bogey to De'Aaron to Giles little hot potato passing sequence
1: in the fourth to end with a nice slam for Harry um showing off that explosiveness that he was known for before the knees
0: yeah um that play was you know sure to make anyone with a brain stem get out of their seat um Willie was big active on the glass something we haven't seen a lot of this season um grabbed 13 boards uh Couple, couple crucial rebounds in the fourth quarter. Um, I was just noticing while he was outscored and out-rebounded by LaMarcus Aldridge, who had uh, 14 and 18 respectively to Willie's 13 and 13, Willie still found ways to come up big. Most notably, the acrobatic alley-oop set up by the speedster De'Aaron Fox. This put us up 10, essentially sealed the game. Um, Willie... And Harry worked well together. Willie was in foul trouble. That seems to happen a lot. So Harry played his 12 minutes uh, in the third and the fourth quarter. Some big fourth quarter minutes from Harry Giles. And he kept us in the game uh, at least enough to uh, allow Willie to come back and extend the lead. So for Harry, I'd say this, in my opinion, this is where we need to use him more. If we're not going to send him down to Stockton...
1: Get him some third quarter minutes where yeah. the Kings been trash. Well, even a, he, he should be played probably the last four minutes of the first, the first two or three of the second, maybe a couple right going into halftime to give the starters a rest. And the end of the third, start of the fourth. Correct. And then get the starters back out there.
0: And yeah. Close it out. Um, so, uh, honestly, a, a standout game for Harry With, you know, 12 points in 12 minutes, what more can you ask for from the kid? For the Spurs. um, Obviously, DeMar DeRozan, LaMarcus Aldridge, but we're going to talk about Rudy Gay, because why not? Uh, Because he put in some great work when he was
1: in Sacramento. He was their second leading scorer in this one, but he didn't play down the stretch. Which is surprising. Um, Everybody knows about not this guy, and if you don't, highly suggest that you look up that YouTube video. It's a great piece of Canadian culture. Yeah,
0: Rudy, basically, the video is just showing Rudy's prowess late in games, ability to make his own, create his own shot.
1: And stabbing the team that treated him so well right in the back after they traded him to Memphis. Um, the ball's in your court, Toronto.
0: Basically, we knew, the you know, the Spurs knew, the fans, that late in the game it was the DeMar DeRozan hour. But I think the Kings did, you know, as well as they possibly could to f- force... Bad shots. Uh, Demar does the the rip through move that's so frustrating, and we didn't we didn't reach in you know a whole lot late in the fourth. He didn't he didn't get to the line like he wanted to, but we did a, a pretty good job of you know making him defer uh, to Lamarcus Aldridge, who wasn't having the most productive night offensively, uh, like we said before. This was just a really fun win um, at home. Because we beat a team that we never beat. And, you know, there's a small caveat, but we're not going to look at that because it's a win. A win is a win is a win. They're not the Spurs of old, but they're still a good ball club. So, I'll take it. Um, any win I can get. Any win I can get my hands on, it's mine.
1: Um, anything else you want to say? Uh, no, yeah, let's move on. All right, so the start of a little road trip. After a real long break in between games, a four-day break, which is almost unheard of in the league, barring the All-Star break, um, a game that you look back and
0: the Kings really let this one slip away. I don't know how many chances. wish I would have counted for you guys. Where the Kings forced an errant shot, got out in transition like we've been doing all year, and then there's just careless turnover or missed bucket. We're looking at you, buddy-heeled. Where it really just... Deflated everything the Kings had, you know, were, were working towards. We were only down nine to twelve points, you know, at when when they were when uh, when Memphis was, was at its height of play. Um, we had five players in double figures, led by the human speeding ticket, De'Aaron Fox. He had twenty-three. This was a real tough game for Nemanja Bielica. Uh, who was too busy getting bodied by Jaron Jackson Jr. to do anything offensively. Uh, Belly had an underwhelming eight. You compare that to Jaron Jackson Jr., real talented-looking rookie. He had 27, led their team. Um, like you said, a lot of time off. This reminded me of
1: you know when a team gets a first-round bye in the NFL playoffs and then they just come out real slow. Or even when a team sweeps in the NBA playoffs, yeah, and the other team goes the set or the other game goes the series goes the seven, and now you're just sitting around waiting for whoever.
0: Yeah, um, you're kind of just overthinking it, and obviously the Kings. The, they started slow. The pace was slow. This, some credit has to be given to Memphis. This is how they play basketball. Um, we had 21 total turnovers, and that was really the game. I think. I mean, you can chalk it up to the lack of defensive communication or missed shots or the 11-point deficit at half as the culmination of those two things. But it was really just the 21 turnovers, so many of them careless, unforced. Um, We finally showed up with like six minutes left in the fourth quarter. It's never a recipe for a success. This, you know, these teams, by and large, these teams aren't going to give you a game. So you got to show up for
1: forty eight. Um, anything you want to get get into? Not really. Uh, the I mean Memphis is an interesting team. They've I think they're in the lead of their division at ten and five right now. Team really nobody expected at the beginning of the year to be this good, but Mike Conley has really played well coming back from that knee injury last year. Mark Gasol's played really well here and Jaron Jackson Jr. looks like he could be an elite talent going forward for the next ten, fifteen years. So Yeah, I mean you, Barring major injury of of course.
0: Yeah, I mean you brought up Conley and Gasol and I think these two never get, you know, the the spotlight as a premier duo, but they really are they, they probably been, would if
1: if they were still in Vancouver. Yeah.
0: They have been for years, you know. They, in this one, they each had nine teams, 19, and it seems like they're always in sync. Um, uh, Grant Napier pointed out that Mike Conley's never made an all-star game. That was
1: something that I was aware of because I like following this guy. It's pretty surprising, really. I mean, he's been uh, kind of a namestay in the top yeah. five point guards in the league. And I, I'm thinking, you know, a couple more injuries in the Western Conference
0: it could get him into the into the All-Star game because he, he's been pretty solid this year. I think... The I, thing I, is I don't think he's
1: popular enough.
0: I, I agree. And I think he might need, like, a... A, a big fan push. A, a cultural makeover. Mm-hmm. A pop, you know, because it's a, it's a beauty contest.
1: Yeah, I mean, realistically, you have Steph, Russell, and Chris Paul from the the West. Yeah, but I, what Who's I was, was saying is... The, like, this
0: year, yeah. these those dudes have been hurt, and yeah, one of those sure. dudes isn't going to make the starters, because there's not enough starters. That's true. So, Mike Conley can sneak in there. Who knows? Hopefully. Um, one thing you can take away from this game, before we move on, is don't, f- from the Kings standpoint, obviously, is don't roll over and give in to the opponent's game plan. For Memphis, this was to slow the pace down, and the Kings really
1: kind of just rolled over and we're like, all right, we'll play in the half court. And it just didn't work. Um, when we've been our best is when we're moving the ball in transition, finding the open man for either three or just to put back slam at the rim. And I think what, what hurt us was the early turnovers
0: because it got in our heads that we can't push the pace. So let's play in the half court, which really lost us the game. I think we have to find ways to increase pace where we can, particularly on the defensive end, leading to the transition. You got to be fast on defense to be, you know, out in transition. Um, I think for the two or three, you know, slower teams in the league, I'm thinking of, you know, Memphis, obviously, and Denver, is. I think again, we have to find ways to create this pace. It's not gonna, you know, a lot of teams aren't gonna want to run with us. But, I mean, it, but some teams aren't going to do it. Period.
1: Yeah. Um, and you gotta, you gotta. I mean, you gotta impose your will sometimes.
0: Correct. I think transitioning to Houston, this would, you know, not not giving into their game plan is what I call the line theory. This is the foul line and the three point line. Um, that's Maury Ball. Another yeah, name for it. It's how Houston, you know, wins until they get to the. Western Conference Final.
1: That's a whole num- another um, issue. I think
0: as far as the game plan, it was don't recklessly foul James Harden CP3 and yeah, force Harden- their role players off
1: the three-point line. This is obviously easier said than done. Go ahead. Anytime that a player's in double digits from the free throw line, you know something's going wrong. And Harden took 10, which is low by his standards, but it's still something that you really just can't allow happen- to happen. Yeah. Um. I think
0: the Rockets, a dark horse, for my least favorite team in the NBA.
1: I think pretty explicitly my least favorite team. I really dislike watching the Rockets. I used to love the Rockets back in the days of Ming Yao. Of course. Uh, but, you know, times have changed. They've become real analytics-based, which isn't the worst thing, but it's... They got to pass the
0: eye test, too, and for me, they don't. Yeah, they're I real boring to watch. Most of this hatred stems from the fact that they had the best shot of beating the Warriors uh, coming out of the West in recent memory, and they were without CP3 because Steve Kerr signed a deal with the devil exchanging a functioning back for never having to play a healthy team in the playoffs. Beside the point, James Harden and company decided to forget to shoot out, decided to forget how to shoot the ball for two quarters. The, you know, 27 consecutive misses, unheard of by anyone's standards, you know, most notably theirs. But conveniently, they never miss against the Kings. So it's just very frustrating to watch. I'll forever be haunted um, by the the velvety voice of Scott Moak repeatedly assaulting my eardrums with the phrase, three, James Harden. Back during a game in 2015. Um, But let's get into the game itself that dropped us to 500. A a statement that's still, you know, fun to say. We had five players in double figures led by Buddy's 23. A little bounce back game for him. Uh, We played Bagley more uh, more than Belly. And
1: Bagley tallied 16. But we'll get into it later. Um, I mean... Belly and Willie played a combined 32 minutes, which is, from two key guys so far this year, really a low mark. Yeah,
0: I was going to say, we'll, we'll get into the whole minutes argument later in the show, dive into that rabbit hole. Um, another great game for Bogey coming off the bench, 14 points in 20 minutes. Uh, I would like to have seen him re-enter the game in the third quarter a, a little uh, a little earlier. You know, who knows what's going on with his minutes restriction. Scal saw some garbage time minutes netting two points. Someone we, you know, kinda always overlook, but having a decent season, decent game here with Justin Jackson at ten and four. Someone who still isn't, you know, a hundred percent confident in his ability. Um, you could see that, you know, when he isn't taking open shots, but he's not the deer in the headlights that he was last season. Some people never shake that mentality, you know. Let's hope he does, because seems like a good kid. Uh, last time we were talking about someone other than the guards making an impact, I specifically noted the Clint Capella-Willie Colley-Stein matchup. And in this one, I mean, from anyone who was watching the game or who looked at the, you know, the box score, Clint Capella really had his way with uh, Willie Trill. Uh, Capella netted twenty-three to Willie's three. Um, that's three points from the field. Um, he kind of proved that one, something we already knew: James Harden and Chris Paul can pass the ball. Two, he's the perennial floor running big. As far as you know, offensively, he's. I I'm gonna put him at the best in the league.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I'd say he's the the next evolution or the next iteration mm-hmm. of the the rim running big like DeAndre Jordan was for so long in L.A. Um, similar hand-eye finishing skills around the rim. Um, he's able, even able to extend his range a little bit, but he doesn't have that defensive presence that DeAndre had. It's definitely something that I'd like to see Willie start following in that mold. Yeah, um, I think the one, the one biggest difference between them, the, I mean... Willie and even Capella and DeAndre Jordan is Willie doesn't have that bulk on him that those two have enabled to it that enables him to survive some of the hits around the rim and finish with a bit more ease.
0: Yeah, Willie's also has like a decent, you know, mid range shot, Mm -hmm. but like I said before, he he is shooting basically, you know, 85 to 88 percent of his percent of his shots from. Within five feet.
1: Yeah, and I I mean, I I don't know if this is much of a hot take, but when the ball goes to Willie or to Giles or to Bagley in the corners or kind of on the wing but inside the three-point line and kind of stagnates the offense, those aren't the shots I'm really looking for. Um, Something like this pick-and-roll two-man game opens up a lot more options all over the court and having Willie being an elite rim runner would really help out the team as a whole. I think someone who really
0: improves or works well with Willie, I mean, works well with anyone, is Bogey. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got, a great passer. They got some chemistry going. Um, you know, it didn't really work out too well in this one. There was a, They had a better connection um, against Memphis, but, you know, we couldn't get the job done there. I think... Bogey is. I'm gonna say it right now. Bogey's dropping fifty in a game this year. And you can come at me with whatever you want, but it's you know we how,
1: saw we saw what he could do in Europe. How many seasons do you think before Bogdan's an all star? Um, I'm gonna say I, he's an all star before 2022. I, I'm I was gonna say in two years. You
0: can put this year, one more year, and then. All star, yeah, it's twenty twenty one, so pretty
1: 2021. close. Twenty twenty one, yeah. So uh, look out for Bogdan. Look out for bogey dropping fifty this year. Yeah, he did it in the. Did he? Did he do it in that world team world? No, nah, I think I was twenty seven, but he, he he was he was going off in on that one too. But
0: I think he only you know he did it on like, like so f- fourteen shots yeah. or something insane. Okay, uh, back to Houston. A little uh, wrap up. This team lives and dies by the three. Chris Paul and Eric Gordon, you know, they're stepping up their shooting percentage as um, long-time great and Syracuse alumni Carmelo Anthony leaves the team. So, hooray, the witch hunt worked. Stay mellow.
1: Yeah. It's a real real sad day as a former, U- uh, former Denver great Carmelo Anthony has really probably... Overstate is welcome in the league. Probably should have retired this offseason. But he's still making like 30, 30 mil. So I mean but i don't, for him. I don't know if he should have retired. Like, I still think he's got a place in the league. He was
0: you know averaging like thirteen points.
1: Yeah, I mean thirteen points, but he doesn't want to take a bench roll. So I think this
0: was the I think this was the wake up call that he might take a bench role.
1: We'll see. That was supposed to be last year at OKC too and that never happened. So Yeah, but that team it was a mess from the start. I think this I mean if he's smart Yeah, so was so was this year's Rockets team. It was a mess from the start until he was gone. I, so I I think that has more to do with Chris Paul making
0: like, you know, Oh yeah. M- making plays. Chris Paul was awful to start the season. I think that has more to do with Chris Paul making plays and the bench stepping up making shots than Carmelo's thirteen points. Um I don't know. Love Carmelo. Let's see what happens. Stay mellow. Correct. So next week, we got four games. We got the Thunder, we got the Jazz, we got the Warriors, we got the Jazz again. That's the third time this season. And
1: it's a, it's a weird uh, kind of way that the games are scheduled. We have the Thunder at home. Jazz on the road. Warriors at Oracle. And then Jazz at home. So, kind of a strange scheduling. Adam, what's up with that? Uh, but, you know, nonetheless, uh, a, a challenging week for sure.
0: Yeah, I think for the Thunder, the matchup I'm looking at, I mean, we can move past the Westbrook De'Aaron because, like, that's what the mainstream media wants yeah. to talk about. I'm going to say it's a combination of Willie slash Kufis on Stephen Adams. Yeah. And then playoff P and
1: playoff bogey. Euro EuroLeague playoff. What about Trey Will- or Troy Williams too? That's can't true. be forgetting the goat.
0: I think it's going to be those matchups. It's going to be the bigs, and it's going to be
1: the wings versus Paul.
0: Yeah, I think that De'Aaron and Russell Westbrook's you know similar play style, pedal to the metal. Again, I don't know. You know, who knows if they'll cancel each other out? But I could see that
1: happening. Yeah. Um. Another interesting thing to to note is that we did beat them um, to start the season, and I think at that point they were about one and one and three or one and four. Yeah. Um. They have since gone
0: that nine was
1: a, and two. Correct. They have won. What is it? Eight of the eight of ten. Yeah.
0: And yeah, that was Westbrook's first game back from the the injury, the old knee, I believe. Who knows? If you don't know the injury, chalk it up to a
1: knee. It was it was a knee injury. Okay, perfect. Um, Similar to Bogdan's knee scope, I believe.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. That's really all I got to say about the Thunder. I, yeah, you know, it's a, a team we've already seen. So let's move on to the Jazz. Another, another team, team we've, we've already, already seen. Uh, um, Jinx. Uh,
1: <laughs> Utah, uh, like we've like we've mentioned before, has a, the Stifle Tower. Uh, yeah, let's let's uh, up in the front court, Rudy yeah. Gobert. I think
0: again, if we can. Do something to stretch the floor. Rudy Gobert can't hang with what we
1: got. Yeah, and I think a a bigger key isn't really... I mean, like, Rudy Gobert is going to affect a lot inside. But if we can take advantage of the times when he's off the floor, that second unit for the Jazz isn't a strong unit. They're led by Jay Crowder, and it's really not... Anything special. So, um, yeah, I think if if Bogey's still
0: coming off the bench, which he's going to be in this one, you know, his 20-point contribution off the bench could swing the game. In the first matchup, Donovan Mitchell wasn't, you know, the superstar we were expecting on opening night. So if we can do something to, you know, keep him under or around 20 points, that's going to go a long way to win this one. Again, it's at, you know, it's at altitude. So, let's throw everyone out there. One uh, lineup thing I would like to see is more of Yogi Ferrell over
1: Frank. a Frank Mason yeah. III. I think Yogi Ferrell's a great great ball player. Let's use him. He's really good finishing around the rim. He's shown to be a knockdown shooter from time to time. Um, yeah, I, I would really like to see him out there a lot more. Um, another... Interesting thing to look at is, I mean, the only other game that we've played at altitude this season was the big loss to Denver. Yeah. Um, but who did shine in that game was Marvin Bagley III. So if we can get him some good minutes uh, in Salt Lake, hopefully he can have another good performance. Yeah. Uh, you want to move on to, to Oracle Arena? Sure,
0: yeah. We're, we're getting up into Oakland. Um Steph Curry has not been with the team. He's got this nagging groin injury set to be reevaluated that day, the day of the Kings game. I don't see him playing, you know. No, no one takes us seriously, so why would they play him? But if Draymond is also out with the foot, I think we got a decent shot of beating this team. If you recall, that was a similar situation which happened in the preseason. Draymond and Steph were out. We played the, uh, the game up in Seattle. Um, don't remember too much of that one. All I remember is it was the Kevin Durant show. It was a little you know, pseudo homecoming for KD. And this is a whole different ball game. This is the regular season game. The Kings have been playing some lights out basketball from time to time. Uh Bogey always plays great against the Warriors, which is something that I love. And I think if Draymond and Steph are both out, you know, KD can't lead a team on it, on his own. We know that. That's why he's there in the first place. So,
1: I think we got a decent chance. Sh- we always win one game against the Warriors. Why not this one? And finally, next week, we do see the Jazz a second time. Um, it's it, the it,
0: second night of a back-to-back.
1: Yeah, it's at home. And it, it'll probably come off a grinder of a game against the Warriors. Um, you know, that's, that's what Steve Kerr famous coach, likes to call a schedule loss, where you look at the schedule, there's four or five of them a year, second night of a back-to-back, fourth game in five days, uh, you're doing a bunch of traveling before, you know... Thanksgiving. Yeah, the holidays, you know... Thanksgiving in the U.S., that is. The real Thanksgiving. Yeah, So the people's holiday. Yeah, for giving thanks. We, um... It, it'll likely be a tough one for the Kings, but... You know, we'll uh, we'll see how the guys do. You know, seeing a team twice in a week is always fun, especially to see what adjustments get made between the games. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, you want to move on? Yeah, so now it's time for
0: everybody's favorite game, What City, What Song. All right, so uh, I'll go first this week. Up first we got the Thunder, Oklahoma City. Uh, I'm picking Garth Brooks Much Too Young in parentheses to feel this damn old uh originally released as a single and then re-released within his uh first album it was uh Garth Brooks The Album released in 1989 it uh it got it all started for uh for Garth who is from Tulsa um I picked this one because it's a great song, but much too young to feel this damn old is how I think all the defenders feel in the cold tubs after the game, after chasing deer and fox around for forty-eight minutes.
1: Yeah, for for my pick, I chose the song "Bad Days" by the Flaming Lips, who are originally from Oklahoma. Did not know that. Um, however, this song. Came from the Batman Forever album, of course. Possibly the worst Batman movie, Forever. So uh... wait, is that Bat Nipples? I'm pretty sure that's Bat Nipples. It better be. That's it's uh, not cool. Jim Carrey's the Riddler. But uh, yeah, it. This is my choice. Hopefully, it'll signify some bad days for. Wait, Oklahoma it's not City Bat Fem- Nipples. Oh, it's not. Bat Nipples or, uh, is Clooney. Who is this one then? Val Kilmer. Oh, it's Kilmer. You're right. right. A bad one, nonetheless. Uh, Still, hopefully this signifies some bad days for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, Specifically, one bad day when we beat them.
0: Yeah, good one, honestly. Uh, Alright, the Jazz. So we're playing the Jazz twice, so I'm picking... How I'm doing is is I'm picking one from Utah and then one Jazz in the genre of Jazz. So the one from Utah... I'm picking the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. Um, founded in 1847. Um, it's, you know, think what you want about Jim or Fredette and the Mormon community, but those, those guys can sing. I, one thing that's actually really interesting is before the Mormons settled in Utah, they wanted a state that encompassed, like, Arizona, Nevada... A lot of California, Utah, called like it, they wanted to call it Deseret, a huge state. The U.S. government was like, no, not even close. So they like forced them up into the Salt Lake area, this barren wasteland that no one wanted. And then a couple years later, Mormon Tabernacle Choir was founded, and I, you know, and I, I like listening to
1: uh, the old choir. So. That's my pick. There's a little history lesson for you, too. My pick, in a similar vein, is Turn It Off from the hit musical Book of Mormon. Uh, yeah, you know, just a good, good old-fashioned family fun. Mormon music. <laughs> and now to the Bay
0: Area. Golden State Warriors. I'm picking, you know, you could pick E40, Superfan. I'm not. I'm picking Andre Nicotina, Color of the Benz, uh, off the album Tale of Two Andres, which is the greatest hits of sorts. It features songs by Nicotina and late great Barry Area recording artist, recording artist Mac Dre. Um, if you ever have the chance to see Nicky in concert, he plays Ace of Spades like 600 nights a year. So I'd recommend going to that. Fun for the whole family. Alright, what's
1: yours? Mine is uh, Choices, mm. also known as Yep, Nope, by E40. Uh, you know, it's a great one. A classic. And it is, uh, it, it is representative. Are the Warriors going to win? Nope. Are the Kings going to win? Yup. There you go.
0: Um, Alright, the Jazz, again. In the, in the style of New Orleans jazz music, obviously where the Jazz got the team name. I'm picking someone who's near and dear to my heart. No, I'm not related to this person. Terrence Blanchard. Jazz artist from NOLA. The song... Jackie Gets Out. It's got an elegant mixture of brass and piano. Uh, T.B.'s from New Orleans. Um, he was recently featured in the soundtrack of Black Klansman, a Spike Lee joint. Wonderful film.
1: Get out there and see that. Um, yeah, Terry Probably Blanchard. Probably can get it online now. It's a. It's been out for a while. Yeah, Find it wherever true. you stream your movies.
0: Yeah, Terry Blanchard, um, jazz artist from New Orleans, song Jackie Gets Out.
1: Give it a listen. Mine is uh, kind of an updated version of jazz. We have Ludacris number one spot, which actually samples Quincy Jones's "Soul Bossa Nova," so it is a it's a best of both worlds here. Okay, that that is a solid pick. Until next week, when
0: we have a whole new set of cities, whole new set of songs for you. Up next, we got some news league wide this time. Not just. Sacramento Kings news. Pause it. Out of Minnesota, the Timberwolves, as of the time of this recording, are undefeated after trading Jimmy Butler. Beating the Nets, the Pelicans, and the Blazers, all three of those teams were, quote, playoff teams at the start of the contest. Out of Brooklyn, a nasty injury to former Michigan Wolverine, Karis Levert, is not expected to be season-ending as first speculated. Levert, who is in discussion for most improved player, was diagnosed with a subtubular dislocation of the right foot. Levert, who is expected to make a full recovery, could be playing again for Jay-Z's side hustle as early as February, but that all depends on how rehabilitation and the team's record go. Out of Oakland, the Golden State Warriors are without Steph Curry for at least three more games, and sources in the Bay Area say he is scheduled to be reevaluated for a nagging groin injury before the
1: November 24th contest against your Sacramento Kings from Oakland. With Steve Curry as their head coach, uh, without Steph, they're about a 500-team. And with them, they're astronomically better. Um, as well as since Kevin Durant ruined the NBA and joined the Warriors two years ago, uh, in games where KD plays and Steph doesn't, they are just above 500 at 19 and 12. And when it goes the other way around, when Steph plays and Kevin doesn't, they are 24 and 3. Pretty astronomical. It shows how impactful. Steph is, and why he is really the best point guard in the league. All of this has caused some controversy
0: in the absence of Steph Curry, as animalistic tension between Snake Kevin Durant and ass Draymond Green resulted in a team suspension for the latter. Green has since been out of the rotation due to a foot injury. I'm sure the refs will make up the difference. Authorities out of Miami-Dade County have confirmed that an assault rifle pegged at nearly $50,000 belonging to Miami Heat big man Hassan Whiteside has been stolen out of the players' vehicle. This confirms for the unteenth time that Florida exists outside of the laws of time and space.
1: Yeah, this might be the lowest point in Hassan's career since he left Reno Bighorns. And finally, out of Sacramento, James Hamm reporting.
0: Management has quelled rumors that GQ Dave is on the hot seat over roster moves and player development.
1: In the spirit of actual news outlets who make a mountain out of a molehill, here's our take. You know this this whole Dave situation is pretty nuts. Carmichael Dave summarized it very well by saying, like he could do basically whatever he wanted at this point in time in terms of basketball, and it, it'd be hard to justify a reason for firing him with one of the best starts in years.
0: Yeah, I mean, it really just it reminds you of the firing of Mike Malone, rest in peace. One not, of the great coaches in the league now. Not dead, but, you know. Dead to us. Yeah, dead to the front office. It's just one of those things where you're prioritizing, you're illogically prioritizing the future over the present when you really don't
1: need to. And, I mean, realistically, it's, it's a problem that's caused by, you know, they don't want to win, they want to develop players, but if they don't win, Jaeger's going to get fired at the end of the year for not winning enough. Yeah, I And think, if he doesn't play those youth, he's going to get fired now for not playing the youth. So it's a damned if he, if he does, damned if he doesn't situation.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great way of putting it. I think for me, the other thing that's kind of frustrating is like we're winning and we're playing the youth. I don't exactly know what the front office wants from uh, this guy.
1: Yeah, Bagley's who, averaging 24 minutes a game. Which is good for fifth on the team.
0: Yeah, um... He wasn't the most complete player out of, you know, the draft. Shout out to Luka Doncic.
1: Yeah, looking really great down there, actually. Just put up, what, 20... over 20, 27 the other night?
0: Yeah. Um, um,
1: he's, he's, he's averaging over 20 on the season. He's averaging, like, 27 and 4. And,
0: yeah, we're not a Mavs podcast, but the dude looks great.
1: And they beat the Jazz by 50.
0: And they beat the Warriors, so that does help the old Kings. But, I, I just think... Drafting Bagley put Dave in, again, an impossible position because you're basically telling GQ Dave, develop this one player more than De'Aaron, Bogdan, or Buddy. Mm -hmm. And that's not how you should coach a basketball team. And if I was Dave, I would come out, not publicly, because you got to keep this in house, but I would literally, I'd almost be furious. Because, you what know, if the Kings showed the
1: front office a track record for getting it wrong? Yeah. And just just on a surface level analyzation of the, the topic, if you look at Dave's history, going way back to when him... His search his, history. Yeah. To, to, to his starts in the league. He got his start by coaching and developing players with the D-League, now the G-League. Then went to Memphis and did some great development of players, but implemented a different culture there, and now has changed the culture in Sacramento and showed he's proven in the past that he can develop players to be great. So, why give up on him after our best certain years and after, you know, we just spent one of the biggest draft picks that we've ever had?
0: I think for me, it's not even like the sense of giving up on him, in, in, because. I think if the Kings fire Dave Yeager, I'm telling myself they won't. In the, in the middle of the season, I mean. It's catastrophic to De'Aaron, Buddy, and Bogey's development. And you have to... It's one of those bird-in-the-hand-is-worth-two-in-the-bush things. You draft Bagley, who doesn't have a right hand, who isn't the greatest with as far as the basketball IQ, He's playing a lot better defense. I credit that to Dave Yeager. That was something that everyone was saying was his biggest fault. He's playing 24 minutes a game and playing well. I think for there to be any problem with Bagley's development, I think Harry Giles is a different story. And I think the front office is handling that a little oddly too. We can talk about that in a second. But I think from Bagley's standpoint is... There's no incentive, there's no direct incentive to lose games because we don't have a draft pick. Basically what I'm getting at is GQ Dave was handed players like Iman Shumpert and Nemanja Bialica. And if he feels that playing those guys wins games while also giving Marvin Bagley the fifth most minutes on the team... There's got to be something, like, severely wrong with Vladdy's brain. This is what I'm thinking. I don't... You could have anyone coach this. It's like, I, I like Dave. He's fine. I rip on him a lot for the spray tan.
1: But if As he, a coach, he does his job.
0: Yeah. Like, this is one of those things where you could have, like, Hannibal Lecter coaching a team. That'd and really if he's like winning... And if he's winning games, go for it. So it's not like this guy is... Like, what I'm saying is weird tangent. But what I'm saying is you could have a maniac. You could have a, someone certifiably insane coaching a basketball team. You could have team.
1: Ben coaching a basketball team. You could have
0: team. me coaching a basketball team. And if we're 8-8 eight and eight through 16 games,
1: I don't even want to hear a peep out of the front office. Especially since we haven't won 30 games in like 8, 10... Years. No, we won 30 games like two seasons. Oh, we won. Yeah, with boogies last season. Yeah. It's a whole, whole nother thing. So, anyway,
0: this is like what I'm getting at is the front office has created this uh, culture is the dumbest word in the English language. They've created this like vacuum of polar opposites as far as goals to attain. Is it player development or is it winning? Because think about it. Back a couple years ago, we traded all of our picks to win now, to be the eighth seed. We gave everything to Philly to create cap space to put someone around DeMarcus Cousins. What happens? It doesn't necessarily work out in the short term. And then we blow everything up. So I think what's so frustrating is that two years ago, three years ago, our philosophy was... Win now. Trade picks to win now. We're feeling... We're finally feeling the reverberations of those poor mistakes because with Dave, his thing is, if I can play Bagley 24 minutes and still go 500, I'm going to do it. And if the front office is, I want Bagley playing more minutes, I want Harry Giles playing more minutes rather than winning... I don't know if I want to be a part of this team. I think the front office was smart for putting Harry Giles in the D-League and stupid for bringing him up after one game. I think that's not good for anyone's development. That's telling Harry you're going to play and then he does it. He played 12 minutes and played really well and then doesn't play the next two games. That's detrimental to a, a your, your psyche as a player. And I think one thing where it really comes to a head is in with Nemanja Bielica this is something that we pegged as the Bielica effect apparently and who knows we could be going nuts about this hopefully we are and it's nothing but the front office wants Bagley over Bielica that doesn't make sense from an analytics standpoint or an eye test either Because when Bielitsa plays well, when Bielitsa is given the opportunity to play, we win. Obviously, she's not going to have a great night, you know, every night. But we are so quick to pull him off the court before anyone else. Imagine if we pulled Buddy off the court after a slow start. He wouldn't score 20 in the fourth quarter like we know he can. It's the same thing with Bielitsa. We pull him off the court so he's not playing well defensively. Pull him off the court, that's fine. But if he's playing okay defensively and he has a couple turnovers and, you know, he misses a couple shots, that's no reason to pull him off the court for the rest of the game knowing what he can do on the offensive end. Okay, here's what I'm talking about with Bialica specifically. When, When we win, he's averaging about 30 minutes. In losses, it's at or less than 20 minutes we don't allow him... To progress within the game like we do. He has the shortest leash for no reason. Because statistically, he's our best player. He He's a, our best player as far as plus minus. And he adds... He's the only player on our team... That when he's on the court... And I will post the picture of this graph I'm alluding to on Instagram. So take a look at it. He's the only player on our team that is positive from a scoring standpoint and positive from a net defensive standpoint. No other player on the Kings can say that. De'Aaron Fox is the closest. He's positive from a point standpoint, but neutral from a net defensive point standpoint. Whereas Bagley, way on the other end. He's the furthest away. The only person who's worse is Harry Giles. So this is what I'm saying. If in 24 minutes Marvin Bagley can't perform... There's no reason to believe in 33 minutes he's going to do anything different.
1: If anything, it'll just get worse.
0: Agreed. So, I think... Here's my takeaway. Vivek, cut the check. Nothing else. Vladi, get the players in the building. And Dave, win games. So far, that's what's been happening this season. And so I don't know what's going on with this Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde act from the front office... It has to stop. Now we're going to hand
1: it over to uh, Half Greek Freak with a little response to what I have to say. So, since these rumors started swirling about 24 hours ago, there's been a response from Dave Yeager who says that it's... He basically said, he's just going to do his job. He's going to do what he needs to do and try to keep coaching to wins. Um, There is a response from Vladi denying that... He had ever thought about firing Dave and that he is full, he's fully, him and the front office all fully support um, Dave's actions this season. And um, there's been a rumor swirling around, I believe, originating from Carmichael Dave. A great source. Yeah. Give me a break. He still has, he has more insider info
0: than most. No, I know. And the fact that this guy is given, like, this insider info is nonsense.
1: Yeah, he he has a platform that's bigger than it should be. But, I digress. I digress. He, the rumor states that the source of the original article about Dave's hot seat is from somebody within Bagley's camp. um, Specifically, Bagley's father. Now, I can't. Confirm nor deny these allegations, but if it is, it is interesting because he is playing a lot of minutes, and if he wants more, it's a lot for a rookie, who typically they're gonna hit a wall, forty fifty games into the season. And I think Dave's trying to mitigate a lot of that. So, uh, you know, it's a process. We gotta we gotta just see how it goes. But for him to be upset about it is kind of. Um, it's shocking.
0: Yeah, I think one thing about Vladi denying the allegations, I mean, the, what the track record states that this dude's a wild card as far as, uh, um, you know, ahead head of a franchise. So, great. He came out and said that he supports Dave Yeager. He also said we we're resigning DeMarcus Cousins, and that didn't happen. We're past that. But, I think we have a good young team. Um... We got four tough games next week. If we can go 2-2, two and two, that's a huge win for everyone involved. Personally, I think we're going to go 1-3. and three. If we go 0-4 oh and, and Dave can survive that, he can survive anything. I mean, I, I think he should just be around to the end of the year no matter what. I th- oh, that's a given. I'm just saying, like, if he can survive, you know, this these allegations and then if we get blown out by, you know, in four straight games, mm-hmm. if he can survive that, he can survive anything. Um, Yeah. I think, winding down a little bit more, other than the Kings, uh, some must-see TV this Thanksgiving break, Um, Saints-Falcons, primetime Thanksgiving Day, you know, any any football game on Thanksgiving is great. Now that Alex Smith is out for the Skins, you got the Cowboys um, and Washington playing for the first place in their division. That's Thanksgiving Day, Black Friday. You got the uh, pay-per-view 1999, but stream it because it's never worth it. Uh, match between Tiger and Phil. I'm a big fan of Lefty. Obviously, Tiger's you know the goat, but they're playing for nine million dollars, a nine million dollar purse, 18 holes, couple side bets, longest drive. You know, if someone gets a hole in one, they get you know some some cash. Obviously, I hope some of it's going to charity because those guys don't don't need the money. That's from Vegas. That's on Friday. Then on Saturday, we got Michigan-Ohio State. Um, 9 a.m. at start time always kills me. Um, winner goes to Indy for, uh, to play Northwestern for the Big Ten title. So, other than the Kings, if you're not feeling, you know, the Kings games or you're looking for something else to watch with the family, if you're not trying to scream at the TV in front of your in-laws,
1: watch those things. Um, two last main points. Number one, some housekeeping stuff. Uh, if you like what you're listening to, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes. Really helps out the program. Uh, and send us emails at sac sorry Kings in the North Pod at gmail.com. Um, number two, and this one is close to both of our hearts. Uh, anybody affected by the fires, or anybody who's serving to help the fires. We want to send out our heartfelt thank yous and best of luck to those who have been affected by these fires. Um, yeah,
0: and, and and if you know, if you're in the giving spirit, if you're in the position to uh, give back to the community, I know you know there's a lot of donations going around. One that I know of in particular, you got uh, the law offices Veasan of and Tamarini. Not and, a sponsor. Not a sponsor. Um, they're running supplies in the form of gift cards up to the uh, people affected up by the fires. So, you know, Visa gift cards, grocery stores, CVS-type deals. Get get to 1234 uh, 8th Street, and that's Suite 200? Suite 200. Get there. I, I think there's a box where they're uh, getting all this stuff together, and then they're going to run the supplies up there. So... You know, get
1: out, and get out and help some people. Go, Kings. Yeah, this—it's what the spirit of Thanksgiving is all about. We—we want to give back. Um, unfortunately, we will—I will not be in the country. Ben will be returning to see his family. Yeah, I'm going to Washington State. Won't be in California. But uh, please do something good this Thanksgiving. And for all the people, I don't know if the run to feed the hungry is still going on with the smoke. Smoke—that's a good question. But hopefully, if it is, get out there in masses and run to feed some hungry people. And in the masks. Of course. So uh yeah. And finally, everyone's favorite segment, Dirty Dan's hot take of the week. All right, Dan, hope your knees are feeling better. How are you, how are you doing today? I'm feeling much better, thank. You. Uh thanks for thanks for coming and taking your time out of your busy schedule yeah. to join us here. Uh, so our question for you this week, what player will lead the team in points per game over the next week? Four-game span, we play the Thunder, the Jazz, the Warriors, and then the Jazz again. I would have to guess that it's Buddy. Damn, Buddy Love. All what right, did, solid pick. Guess?
0: Having a uh, having a, a great year so far. A couple slow starts, but seems to pick it up in the second half. I, I know, that, you know, we're not keeping tally in mind. I'm going to say, I'm going to go out on a limb and say De'Aaron.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be probably... Either De'Aaron or Willie. Willie's been pretty consistently. I think, as far as a
0: quote-unquote hot take, it's not. Even, it's not a hot because Buddy's been playing really well. I think Buddy has actually, you know, a solid. A very
1: solid lukewarm take. take. Yeah. So, and that's all for this week.
0: Thanks for listening. Good day, lads.